0: Have freedom here, and we thank God for that. Uh, before I get into my message, I wanted to uh, mention a few things I brought with me at the table, um, and I'll just do it standing right here. This one, um, some of you might remember, I played the violin, and I did a CD. It's called Peaceful Violin Worship, awesome. and uh, Amen. Thank you. Uh, I believe it'll be a blessing to your life. It's got a lot of classic hymns. Um, That will really minister to your life. I I tell people jokingly not to operate heavy machinery when they listen to that because it it is very peaceful and uh, a lot of good testimonies coming from that. Uh, I wrote this book uh, from the perspective of of an evangelist. Uh, The mission comes with a free picture of me as well. You can have that. I'll sign that for you at the book table. You have to bring your own sharpie though. Um, But in all seriousness, this book I wrote to really help Everyday believers to enter into their ministry, the continuation of the ministry of Jesus. How many of you know that Jesus' ministry didn't end when Jesus went back to the Father? He sent His Spirit, and His Spirit has come to empower us to be His witnesses. That's what He said He would do in Acts chapter 1. And so every believer is called to do the mission of Jesus, and that book will help you with that. Uh, This book I wrote primarily with evangelists in mind. It's called The Office of the Evangelist and maybe you've got a, an inkling or maybe you've already got it confirmed in your life that you're an evangelist or you feel that God may be leading you down that path, uh, I want you to have that book. It would be a blessing to your life. And just for every believer to know what an evangelist is and what God put them in the body of Christ to accomplish. Everything at the table is $10. And then this book I brought. We're doing kind of a special deal. This one is written by my friend Dr. David Shibley with Global Advance. Uh, wonderful book established ministry, they train people all over the world, frontline pastors, and I believe they've now trained over one million face-to-face uh, in nations around the world, yes. and so a wonderful missionary statesman, and that book will be a blessing to your life, so if you get uh, any three of my books or products, doesn't matter what the combination is, $30, we'll throw that in, in uh, while supplies last, as they say. <laughs> um, amen, let's pray, why don't we pray and just welcome the Holy Spirit, Amen. amen. Father, we just thank you today that we are here. We are free. At this time of year, we celebrate our freedom in this country. We thank you for the freedom to worship you. We thank you for the freedom that came at such a heavy price. And we honor that. We take advantage of it to the maximum. We ask you today, by your spirit, have your way, Lord. Work in us. Establish your calling in us. I pray that the heart of evangelism would come through today. Father, I pray that every believer here, we would be revived, that we would be empowered again in a fresh and a new way in our witness of Jesus Christ. I pray that we would understand the urgency of getting the gospel to our world and to the entire world. I pray that the, the, the revelation would come, that we are anointed To continue the ministry of Jesus, we ask you that you'd give us a new picture of Jesus in us today. We thank you for it in his name. Amen. 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 Awesome. Well, I want to thank you all. Your partnership is so important. You support our ministry. Uh, We're actually going through a transition right now. We founded our ministry almost 20 years ago as Lusk World Outreach. And we're in a transition now to vanguard evangelism. And vanguard, that's kind of an older term, but it just means front line, cutting edge on the advance. And that's what we're called to do together, is to advance the gospel in the places where Jesus' name has never been heard. We're literally working in places where people may have never heard of the name of Jesus. Maybe they have a very vague historical picture of who Jesus was, but they don't have any understanding of what his message is. They don't know why he came. They don't know what Christianity is all about, and we're here to tell them. We're here to proclaim the simplicity of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I was in Cuba earlier this year, and many of you know historically the situation in Cuba. It's been uh, so tense between our two countries. There seems to be a, a reconvening that's been happening, and some doors are beginning to open. It's still very closed overall. And I was able to get in there actually on a religious visa, which is almost unheard of. Uh, They gave me a religious visa. But in the meetings when you go and and preach, it doesn't matter if it's maybe a a church-type service or believers' conference primarily for Christians or evangelism for those that don't know Christ. Uh, you know that the, the spies are there. In fact, on one occasion, they identified themselves. I said, well, that's not a very good spy. You're not supposed to tell people you're a spy. Right. You know, maybe he was a double agent. I don't know. But at any rate, it was so precious to see how the believers would come together. You know, in places like the United States, we put a lot of importance sometimes on denominational <coughs> distinctives and the things that make us different from one another, Um And those things can seem so important. And I'm not saying that they're not important at all, but we can put those up on a kind of a pedestal and they become a hobby horse for us. But in Cuba, because every believer, it didn't matter if they were Methodist or Baptist or Assemblies of God or Pentecostal, Independent, Salvation Army, I mean, all these groups would come together and rally around the one thing that we all agree on, and that's the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. Come on. He is alive from the dead. He is resurrected with power. He is the Savior, the Redeemer. And so they gathered around that. It was beautiful to see Christians lay aside these, these differences that are not really that important in comparison to the gospel that we all share. And so Cuba, God's doing powerful things in Cuba. Uh, it was amazing as, as we did the meetings, we had to do these in the uh, closed areas because they won't allow open air evangelism like we we prefer to do in nations around the world. We like to get Jesus out where everybody can see him. And in Cuba the government would just not allow that and so we worked around that. But the indoor venues were so packed. I mean, people coming, I, one place I preached, the whole ground floor was filled, the balcony was just filled to capacity. People were standing in the back. There's a A side area like a a driveway it was totally filled in the the periphery there back on the sidewalk people coming to hear the good news about jesus to hear about the jesus that is alive that still does miracles that still is powerful to save and we saw many many people come to faith in jesus christ later on i was in argentina my whole family was actually with me on that mission i've got two children and uh, and of course a wife that's important too (laughs) Christina, my wife, and then my daughter Lucy is 16, and my son Noah is 10, almost 11, and all four of us were able to go to Argentina, and that's actually where we started our ministry. Right. We started down there as in-country missionaries. We established ourselves in a city called Olavarria, lived there for about five years, traveled all over the country, and, and kind of did adventures with Jesus, and going to these little kind of backwater communities many times and do evangelism, tell people about Jesus Christ and and, uh, many, many wonderful miracles that we saw. So it was good to be back there. And then right on the heels of all of that, I was in Liberia, West Africa. Liberia is such a beautiful country. And uh, one of the testimonies that that really touched me is out in that crowd, uh, upward of 10,000 people and that's I let other people try to pin the numbers because you know they say evangelists. we talk evangelistically and So but they they estimated between 12 to 15,000 were present in these open-air services and people with such desperation such hunger to know About a God of love a God that cares for them a God that sees them that notices them and that is interested in their life and A God that is not just uh, up there in heaven with His arms crossed watching humanity suffer, but a God that came to us in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, and took on our condition apart from sin, lived among us, showed us what God was like, worked miracles, did the work of God. He said, if you can see me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard my words, they're not mine. They're the ones the Father has given me. And, And we can know so powerful when people realize that if they can see Jesus, they can know what God is like. And it's just that simple. And so as the gospel went out in that great crowd of people, there was a, an African grandma there, and she had been blind for several years. I don't know exactly how many years, but it was a number of years that she was unable to see, and her adult daughter accompanied her to the meeting. And among many other miracles that happened, As this African grandmother stood there on the field, Jesus opened her eyes by a miracle. And she came up on that platform. Her daughter came with her, but she didn't need to guide her mother anymore. Mom came by herself, came up those stairs. And before the people, and you can imagine what type of a response this produces in a community, a tight-knit community, where so many people across that field knew who this woman was. They knew her story. They knew her situation. And I asked her, I said, Mama, that's what they call African grandmothers, Mama. I said, Mama, what can you see? And she said, Oh, I can see that your face is white. (laughs) And I said, That's right. And uh, I said, Mama, can you reach out and touch my nose? Can you you grab a hold of my nose? And, And she reached right out, and I say, I've got a big nose, but it wasn't so big that she could have found it if her eyes were not healed. And she reached right out. Grabbed my nose, and the people just went wild, rejoicing. The daughter, I mean, both of them, I, I, I say they had a smile big enough they could eat a banana sideways. It was so, <laughs> so beautiful to see that joy, just this spontaneous joy that you couldn't. Yeah. The best actor in Hollywood cannot fake that. Come on. It was a true, outstanding miracle that proved to the people, all those people, thousands of people there, that Jesus really was present. He really is powerful, just like he was in the Bible. He has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Amen. Wonderful testimonies. And one of the other things we were able to do in Liberia, because of the help of churches and individuals like you, one of the main things we do uh, at Vanguard Evangelism, one of our main callings, one of our main assignments from the Lord, is to find national evangelists in the countries that we work in and help to lift them in their calling, help to encourage them in their calling. And so men and women, with that calling of an evangelist on their life, will come and sit under teaching from evangelists, myself and other training evangelists that work with us. We'll train them usually over a period of about three days. And one of the main tools that we give to them, in addition to the books and other things, is portable sound systems. And we give out as many as we're able to do, as many as our partners help us to purchase... Those sound systems usually are about $250, and we buy them locally. We don't have to transport them or go through customs or any of that. We get them locally in the countries we work in. And to date, we've been able to sponsor over 300 of those sound systems all over the world. And so it's literally amplifying the the voice and the, the message of Jesus in places like Liberia, in places like Benin, Uh, where I was a little bit uh, toward the end of last year. Togo, I'll be there at the end of the year. French-speaking parts of Africa. Very little evangelism has occurred in those places, but God's raising up a harvest of national preachers, national men and women, national evangelists that have a heart to reach their own people. They already speak the languages. I mean, Benin, to give you an idea, Benin is smaller than the lower peninsula of Michigan, and they speak... 60 plus tribal languages and so it'd be it'd be kind of to give you an idea it'd be like if you traveled to the next county over and you couldn't understand anything people said you know and you go to a different county and it's a totally different language but these people they've grown up in those areas most of them speak three or four or five languages my 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 friend our director over there he's a wonderful apostle i i said how many languages do you speak isaac and he said, oh, let me think here. Uh, five. Then he, then he paused a second. He started naming off some. Oh, he said, no, six. And then he said, no, wait a minute, seven. <laughs> he couldn't even remember the languages he spoke. Yeah. And so God is raising up these men and women that know their culture, know the languages, know the people. They know the geopolitical situations, They know how to work in those areas. And he's allowing us to come alongside of them as a junior partner, not to patronize them or tell them how to do it, but just to simply encourage them, provide them with tools and help them to, to keep going and never stop. And so in Liberia, we were able to, pl- uh, to sow 33 sound systems just on that mission and the evangelists were just so blessed. They went out, we're hearing reports back already about churches that are being planted over there as a result of those efforts and, and God is just doing wonderful things. I would like to, uh, before I get into some of the scriptures I've got in my heart for today, I'd like to show you just a short video, if that's ready. It's about three minutes. This is from a recent mission to Benin, West Africa. It's a French-speaking part of Africa. And just in that nation alone, we've been able to sponsor about 120 evangelists with portable sound systems. And God is doing something that's just so powerful based on relationship, based on people connecting with one another. You invite us to be partners together with you in your work. We want to be fishers of people. We want to be part of what you are doing If you say, Preacher, I need Jesus to save me from my sin. I believe God talked to you. Look at me. You are healed. You are healed in Jesus' name. I I bless you in Jesus' name. Father, for a complete miracle. Totally whole. Totally. Evil. You're going to serve Jesus your whole life. I said this, we're making it. And my, my grandmother is 91 years old. She bought at least two of them. And So you are loved. I'm gonna tell you something. 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 I'm gonna tell you Jesus i am going to tell i am the light. Amen. you something i am going to tell it something i am going to tell you you that helped to you happen. We could want to go, they could want us to come over there, but without you it would never happen. So I want to thank you for what you do for world missions. Let's uh, get into the message today. I'm going to ask you to go with me to Mark chapter 1. I love Mark's gospel. It's uh, so accessible. He gets right into the action, and uh, right in that first chapter, Jesus is already casting out demons and healing the sick, and it's just powerful. But in Mark chapter 1, in verse 17... You all know this verse. Jesus spoke to Simon and Andrew. They were by the the sea there fishing. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And then a little bit further down as we read, kind of paraphrase, he finds James and John there. They're working with Zebedee, their father. And he calls them to follow him as well. And the Bible tells us that they left the boat with Zebedee, their father, and followed him. And so Jesus called these initial disciples. And I've just been meditating on this concept of relationship in terms of evangelism. Evangelism is not a program. Evangelism is not a strategy. It's not a method evangelism is just people living with people and letting the Jesus in them get out and touch those around them. Many times as an evangelist, people will come to me and they'll ask me, Brother Michael, what can I do to be effective in my ministry as an evangelist or uh, to be effective even just as a believer to share Christ, to share the good news of the gospel with people? And really there are no deep secrets. There's no... Secret method that you haven't heard about. It really doesn't come back to a program. It's not a checklist. It's not a script that you learn. When it comes to sharing your faith, when it comes to sharing who Jesus is to you, who Jesus is in you, there's no secret. There's no, I think maybe in the West we deal with this more because of the industrialization of our societies. In the West we tend to think in very uh, concrete terms. Right. Yeah. We think, well, do we have any any engineers or anybody with an engineering background, or maybe electrician, or some some of these? Okay, we think about diagrams and schematics, and if there's a if there's a drawing of it, we can we can put it together. And if you do one, two, three, A, B, C, right down the list, flip the switch, and it'll work. But evangelism does not work that way, right? Evangelism is something organic. Evangelism is something that's human. That's the way God wanted it to be. (laughs) It's person to person. It's not a program. Nobody cares for you to come as a believer and just kind of uh, give them a pitch, a sales pitch, or kind of buttonhole them and try to put everybody in a box and, and deliver this thing and maybe kind of get a notch on your belt. Nobody really cares about that. I believe it was John Maxwell that said that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And it's so true. People are looking for other people that have a viable, real, genuine, sincere experience with Jesus Christ. And when they can see it in your life, when they can see Jesus through you, even in the moments you're not thinking about being a witness, you're not consciously focused on that, It's not on a schedule, it's just who you are every day. People will see Jesus in us. And it's interesting to me, you know, as I was looking over the scriptures this morning, just reviewing my message and letting the Lord talk to me, isn't it interesting, I had never seen this before, I've I've been in church my whole life, but in Mark chapter 3, when Jesus is uh, baptized and then he's led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You know, I thought about that. I never thought about the fact that Jesus, in order for the devil even to have that conversation, which we all know was part of God's plan to demonstrate Satan's defeat. But even that had to happen in the context of solitude. It had to happen when Jesus was alone. That's where the devil works. He works by isolation. He works by separation. He works by division, subtraction, all of these negative words. The enemy tries to work in our lives as believers by getting us off by ourselves. That's why church attendance, it's not not just so that people don't ask where where you've been. And that's not why we show up to church. We don't just show up to church because we feel like we need something that day, although that's a good reason to be there. We come to church because we, we need one another. People need you. I need you. You need me. We're intended by God to live in community. That's the way God set everything up. And evangelism is just like that. It's community-based. It's relationship-based. The more that we open our hearts up to people in love, the more that we allow people into our lives, we'll find that evangelism, opportunities to share the gospel, opportunities to share Christ, are going to come more easily. We won't have to look very hard for them at all. They'll just show up. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men, fishers of people. I think about the fact that Jesus called these men that were working in teams already. Simon, Simon Peter, and Andrew, his brother, were working together. They weren't lone rangers out there. You know, sometimes... I think we get the idea that, you know, maybe God the Father put a little glowing halo on the, the head of these disciples, and that Jesus said, Oh, there it is. I see the halo. That's the one. That's the one that's supposed to be with me. I don't think it was like that. I think Jesus looked for people who valued community. I think Jesus chose Simon and Andrew because they were working and they knew how to work together. I think that he picked James and John because they understood connection. They were connected in relationship with their father. They were working together. And so could it be that Jesus draws in and is able to work with people that know how to work in community with others? Is it that he values relationship? I I believe that that is the case. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. Jesus is calling us not to a list of, of rules and regulations. He's not calling us into a system of rituals. He's calling us into relationship <laughs> with Himself and relationship with each other. Amen. Christianity is ultimately not about any of those external things. It's not about the outward symbols. It's not about the even just the traditions in and of themselves. Christianity, at the end of the day, it's about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's about relationship with one another as the Holy Spirit, through that miracle of the new birth, He baptizes us into the body of Christ, and we're connected with each other in a way that you and I can't even explain. You know, I've traveled all over the world, and one thing that I've seen, you know, differences in culture, of course, languages, yes. So many things that contrast, so many things that are different. But one thing that I've seen over and over again as I travel around the world is that the love that you find, the love that you feel when you come into a body of believers is the same anywhere in the world. That does not change. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's universal. And, And that's what Jesus has called us and brought us into, is that relationship. And in the same way, the point I'm trying to make, in the very same way that He is relational, the Godhead is relational, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In the same way that in the beginning he made humanity and community. He said it's not good for man to be alone. He created the woman. And so he created that ideal scenario was companionship and, and, and community. And in that very same way that we're drawn into community with God and, in, and with one another, evangelism. The way God establishes His kingdom in the earth is relational. It's community. It's about people reaching people. I say it this way. The the Great Commission is not rich countries to poor countries. It's not the West to the East. It's not English-speaking people to everybody else. None of that. The Great Commission is every believer to all the world. Every believer to all the world. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Great Commission belongs to you. If you're a believer, if Jesus has taken up residency in you, you've been born again, His Spirit lives in you, His Spirit is in you for the very same reason that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, to go about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil because God is with us just like He was with Jesus. And Jesus is calling us to follow Him. If you want to go with me to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Jesus is calling His disciples. It says He called those that He Himself wanted. I love that. Do you ever think about the fact that Jesus wants you? I Think about, think about that old... Uh, army recruitment poster with Uncle Sam pointing the fingers. Uncle Sam wants you. Jesus wants you. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. You're the preferred one. You're Jesus' favorite. Now you need to think about it that way. He picked you. Sometimes we think about our testimony, we talk about it, and I know what's meant by this, but we'll say things like, well, I found Jesus. That's sort of true, but Really, Jesus found you. you. He was seeking after you before you ever thought about Him. The Bible says, He said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. He was coming after people. He's still going after people today through us. But Mark chapter 3 and verse 14, it says something that's so important. That Jesus called these disciples so that they might be with Him. And He might send them out to preach and have authority to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Now, many times it would be easy for us to kind of skip ahead. You know, this is a faith church. We've we got faith. We grow our faith. We understand the, the importance of miracles, signs, and wonders. We understand that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. So I'm not reducing any of that. But many times we, we tend to kind of skip ahead and say, oh, wow, yeah, preaching, casting out demons, healing the sick, that's what I want. That's what Jesus has called me for. And that's true, but we can pass over the first part of that verse, the first phrase, that Jesus, the very first thing that he called them to was relationship. He called them to be with him. He called them to know him, to walk with him, to follow him. We won't go there today, but you know the story, Luke chapter 10. Martha and Mary... You know, I think Martha gets a bad rap so often, but she was just trying to do what all of us are doing, which is to give our very best to Jesus. So what she was doing, what Martha was doing, is she prepared her home and prepared the food. and Especially you ladies, you know what it takes to host somebody in your house. Now imagine, I tell my son when he's got to clean his room, to clean it like the queen's coming over. But yeah. <laughs> imagine if Jesus Christ from heaven, the Son of God, is coming to your house. And so Martha, especially so when we consider the culture of the Middle East, even today, such a a level of hospitality that's just off the charts compared to what we would even do here in the West. And so Martha, she is the lady of the house trying to get things just right so that Jesus has a great time while he's with, with her and her family. And so her intentions were right and honorable, and Mary there, of course we know, she was there sitting down and she sat at Jesus' feet and she heard his word and Martha got upset and Jesus gave us an instruction there. And he, he said to Martha that, hey, you're, you're troubled about a lot of things right now, but there's one thing that's necessary. Right. Say one thing. One thing. one thing. one thing is needed, he said. And Mary has chosen that good part, that one thing. She's chosen that one thing that's needed, and that will not be taken away from her. And that one thing was relationship with Jesus, sitting at his feet, hearing his word, letting him impart his heart into us. I can tell you that, and this is in all honesty, uh, after traveling around the world and some of the meetings we've had, the miracles we've seen, just like things out of the Bible. And they're exciting to talk about. They're exciting to see and to witness in person. I've preached all over. I've been privileged to lead thousands of people to Jesus. But that's not what inspires me. Right. That's not what keeps me going. That public aspect of ministry, that's not what keeps fuel in my tank, so to speak. What keeps me going... What wakes me up in the morning is that relationship, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what what inspires you and I. If you look at somebody that's accomplished anything over a long period of time in the kingdom of God, I, I can bet you that that person knows this truth, that they go back to that spiritual well over and over and over again, that they're closely connected in their heart to Jesus Christ. And that's what he's calling us to. He's calling us to be like Mary, to sit at his feet and to hear his word. He's calling us like those early disciples to come and follow me and I'll make you become a fisher of people. You know, Jesus can make you become something that you were not before. Right. He can turn you, transform you into something that you'd never be on your own. I'd be interested to know, we, we have no way of knowing, but what would have happened if, Simon and Andrew and James and John had not followed Jesus that day. It would be a totally different story. And there very well may have been men and women that Jesus called in some, some specific way in His earthly ministry that didn't make that decision to follow. And the Bible tells us that some that were following Him turned away and left Him. But I want to encourage you today to be a follower of Jesus Christ, first and foremost, before anything else you seek to do for God, anything else you might seek to do for Jesus like Martha did, I want to encourage you to have the heart of Mary first and to sit with Jesus, to be with Him, to let Him love you. He doesn't care so much about what you can do for Him. That's what Martha was thinking about. What can I do for Jesus? What can I produce for Jesus? But first and foremost, you and I are called to allow Jesus to make us into what we were not before, to make us into fishers of people. In Acts 4, we won't go there, but you can just jot this down, Acts 4, 13, says, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. When you've been with Jesus, you can't hide it. When you've been with Jesus, it'll shine through. When you've been with Jesus, you're like that city set on a hill. You're the light that can't be hidden. You can't put a basket over it. You can't cover it up. When you've been with Jesus, people will see that in your life. I know it's true for you, it's been true for me. I, I look at people in, in uh, my extended family, cousins, and farther out, you know, so many that have struggled in their lives with substance abuse and, and drug addiction of different kinds. and one thing that I've seen that's just been a confirmation of what I'm talking about is that when those people hit a really, really tough place in their life, that they don't look to the other, other family member maybe that's bound in the same addiction. They don't look to the ones that are lost like a goose in the fog. They come to somebody like me, somebody like you that knows jesus christ they come to the light they know who to look for and it's an opportunity so i want to encourage you today in your witness maybe you think hmm i don't know if i'm a very good witness i don't know if i'm very good at evangelism i want to encourage you just sit at jesus feet hear his word daily live with him follow him he said come unto me take my yoke upon you learn from me You'll find rest for your soul. He said, My yoke is easy, my burden's light. Jesus is calling us into relationship. And out of that relationship, that life giving relationship with Jesus, that's where our witness is really going to take off. Yes. That's where we're going to be effective. And you'll find yourself out there just doing life with Jesus, just living with Him. You'll find yourself with great opportunities he'll start putting his heart into you in a greater way. I want to ask you to stand with me. I want to pray for you. I believe what the Holy Spirit wants to do today is to mark your heart with a greater hunger, a greater passion, a greater sense of urgency to reach the lost around you, those that are around you every day. I pray that he'd put that heart into you to walk with Jesus, and he will show you how to fish. He'll show you what to say. He'll give you opportunities you would never have on your own. He'll open your eyes to things that are right in front of you. They've been there all along. And He'll reveal those things to you so that you can speak in His name, so you can act in His place. Let's pray. Father, we thank You today. I thank You for amazing grace, this beautiful church family, these beautiful pastors that You've called to lead here. We thank you, Lord, that every believer here, everyone gathered in this place is called. Everyone here is anointed. Everyone here has been chosen by Jesus. Lord Jesus, you took the initiative with each of us. We didn't find you first. You found us. You sought us out and you chose us and you tell us why. So that our fruit would remain. You've called us to be productive believers. And so, Father, I pray, first of all, that you'd lift that burden. Jesus, you said, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. Right. Come learn from me. I pray that you'd lift that burden, that, that pressure that we put on ourselves, like Martha did, trying to do the right thing, but, oh, evangelism, it seems so tough, it seems so hard, so difficult, so complicated. Father, lift that burden off us today by the Holy Spirit. Give us a fresh Picture, A fresh set of eyes to see Jesus walking right with us, yoked together, inseparable, covenant with Him. And as we walk with you, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you convert us, you transform us into fishers of people. Open our hearts, fill us with your love. Open our mouths, fill our mouths with good news. And, Father, I pray that even as we live in this, what Paul called in Philippians, a crooked and perverse generation, as the darkness in the world continues to get darker, Father, the light that's in us, we walk as children of light. That light that is in us cannot be hidden. Right. We thank you that it attracts people. It's compelling to people. It's, it's winsome, attractive, and draws people to the Jesus in us. We ask it in his name. We thank you for that work of the Holy Spirit right now. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus a hand clap right now. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Thank you.